imagination, creativity, storytelling, brainstorming, or brainstorming. This is the Brainstorming Project. Join me, Chad, or as I probably should go by now, Brian Storm, each week as I use my overactive imagination to brainstorm ideas. Each week I'll pick a different genre and create a story from scratch. Characters, world, premise, the whole kit and caboodle. The creative process in podcast form. This should be fun. Listen to the Brainstorming Project wherever you get your podcast fix. Join the Brian Storm. Every culture has its own set of legends and myths that have been passed down from generation to generation, stories that have been woven into the fabric of our society, shaping our beliefs and fears. But what if these legends were more than just stories? What if they held a grain of truth? Join me as I explore the world of the macabre, the supernatural, and the unknown. From the haunting tales of the Loch Ness Monster to the twisted stories of the Cold War, we will delve deeply into the origins of these stories, the truths behind the myths, and the impact they have had over our lives and culture. Get ready, crack open a beer, and join me as I discover the truth behind the legends on our journey through the darkest corners of the unknown. This is Urban Legends and Mythology. Welcome back to another episode of Bucket of Chum, the Shark Movie Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Coates, and we are on the final week of Piranha December with a holiday-themed movie, Piranha Sharks, from 2014, directed by Lee Scott. So I actually started watching this movie in the summertime, and then once I started getting into it, I realized that it was a Christmas movie and I stopped it right there and I was like, I have to save this for Christmas time. So this is going to be the last episode of the year. We're ending it on a fucking Christmas movie and it's not Santa Jaws or Jaws the Revenge. Amazing. But if you do want to hear me talk about Santa Jaws on uh, September, on December 25th, Christmas Day, Bad Movies, Worst People, their episode on Santa Jaws with special guest, yours truly, will be coming out. So make sure you check them out. We had a great time talking about that movie, and the movie was actually pretty dope too. So be sure to check that out and uh, support our fellow podcasters. And let's start off with a plot synopsis. Great white sharks bioengineered to be the size of piranhas with the purpose of living in rich people's exotic aquariums terrorize New York City when they get into the water supply and do what great white sharks do best. So, uh, 
I don't know. I guess great white sharks eat people best. I mean, sure, we'll go with that. So this has an average rating of 2.6 stars on Letterboxd. Uh, diving into the poster expectations, depending on the poster, so one of them is straight up just the Sharknado 2 poster, but with Piranha Sharks instead. And it was actually released around the same time as Sharknado 2, I guess. So this is one of those movies that was trying to capitalize on that, which is kind of funny because usually the the Asylum, the studio that releases the Sharknado movies, usually they're the ones that are trying to capitalize on other releases. And now it's they've kind of had it switched around on them. But then there's a simpler one that's just a close-up of the uh, shark in a fish tank, I assume. So nothing too crazy, but the design of it looked pretty uh, pretty dope, looked pretty good. Maybe we'll get some practical effects. I'm not entirely sure. I'm expecting it to mostly be CGI, which is fine. I just hope that uh, the design looks as good as it does in the poster. But without further ado, there's nothing else left to do, but let's dive in. So the movie opens with shots of a snowy forest before we go inside a giant science lab. And then we see a man, Dr. Taggart, working on making these piranha sharks. So he's looking at tiny ones under a microscope, but then the glass breaks as one of them gets bigger. And we learn that they are able to reproduce, so at least life won't be boring. And then I guess they're just, like, reproducing at such a rapid rate that it ended up breaking the glass or something. So the scientist goes to take the slide out, and then something bites him through the suit. And then we see tiny piranha sharks swimming in his fucking bloodstream. And he starts spitting blood and he takes his biohazard suit off and his face looks like it's starting to disintegrate or like there's little bite marks on it. And then we see some of this footage coming through a laptop screen as two men show a woman as they sit in a restaurant. And then she asks them how they got a hold of this footage and they say, it doesn't matter. And then we learn that she works for the company making these things. And then these two manage to find the footage. Basically, they want to invest in these things and uh, do it without like the military and just sell them to regular people. And so, of course, she asks if they want to sell advanced bioweapons to children at Walmart. And then they say, no, of, of course not. And then they start doing like a sales pitch, like just trying to sell these sharks. Like, oh, everyone's going to want one in their house, blah, blah, blah. And they just talk about like altering it to make it a little bit safer, I guess. And then she says something like, oh, they're going to make $25 million a year. And then they say like, oh, that's just lowballing the estimates. And then they all agree to become partners. So they're all going to be best friends now. Yay! And so we get our title card, and then we see some shots of New York City, and it's like we're watching a fucking proper Hallmark Christmas movie. It made me want to fucking puke. <laughs> it it sort of fits with the aesthetic of this movie, but at the same time, not? I don't know. It's hard to explain. In an apartment, some dude is passed out on a couch, and the phone is ringing. A second man comes in and says, Oh, hey, is that the phone ringing? And he picks it up, and then we learn these guys are like a pest control company or exterminators. And he calls out to another dude, and they say they have a spider on the west side that they need to get to. And then he asks the dude on the couch if he's coming with them. And then couch dude looks like he's stoned out of his fucking mind. And he says, you know, not 100% today. And the other guy's just not surprised by this at all. So the stoner dude turns the TV on, and then he sees an infomercial for these piranha sharks, and it's some douchey, fat dude with two terrible acting models beside him. And then stoner dude gets his laptop, and he goes to the website to order these things. 
And then we go into the van with the other two pest control dudes, and they're talking about women and open relationships, and one dude is planning on breaking up with his girlfriend, and I don't know, I didn't really care about any of this, so I kind of tuned out a bit. We then go to a rooftop, and when I say rooftop, I mean a terrible fucking green screen. Like, somehow they just couldn't manage to afford to film on a rooftop, which, I don't know, just doesn't seem like it would be totally outside the realm. I mean, this movie didn't look cheap either, except for some of these scenes like this. Like, this looked fucking terrible. But anyways, I digress. So, we see this terrible green screen, and then we see the British lady and the two business dudes meet as they exit this helicopter. And yeah, in case you were wondering, the chopper is also green screen. So these dudes share some sale numbers, and they're making like $10 million a week or some shit like that. Absolutely insane. But the British lady seems very pleased by this. I Fuck, why wouldn't you be? I want $10 million a week, are you kidding me? And then we cut to a boardroom, and we're with a bunch of people sitting around a table, and it's a toy company. So they're talking about like the upcoming toys for the season, and just coming up with different ideas. And then we go to one guy who's sweating profusely, and then his boss asks him for ideas, and he comes up with sloth sheep. And his boss, who speaks in the most monotone fucking voice, like I thought my voice was monotone, but this guy, this like this guy's tone is flat as hell. And he says, like, that's a stupid idea. And Sweaty Guy, like, also comes up with Panda Snail. Like, he's just, he's finding, like, two animals and putting them together and being like, yeah, toys. But we hear his stomach start grumbling, and so he runs to the washroom. He throws up in the toilet, and then we hear some, like, squirming or squishing noises, and he starts flailing around, and blood starts getting spat up on the walls, and then he falls onto the toilet seat, and he's dead. And we see his face, and it looks like he has tiny bite marks starting to come out of him. Now we're in a couple's house, and the husband is checking the water in his fish tank, and then he seems upset for some reason, and then his wife calls him upstairs, and they start sitting at the table and eating, and then we learn that he was one of the guys uh, like that was helping working on these piranha sharks in some capacity. And he's basically, he's mad that they're being sold as toys. And his wife, who sounds like a chipper southerner, just keeps trying to chime in and help, but it just feels like she's just annoying him even more. And he keeps saying someone like needs to do something about these people. And his fucking wife says, Honey, you're just one person. What can you do? Like, wow, way to be encouraging. The husband says everything in history of the world, good or bad, started with one man or one woman. And then he walks off. And this is where we learn his name is fucking Brody. Jaws reference. Back with the exterminators, they're in a woman's apartment hunting a spider. And she's fucking wearing clown makeup, but she's not a clown. Like one of them even comments like, oh, yeah, you can get back to your fucking clown party after this. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, nope, that's just her makeup. She just, she gets up every morning, makes the conscious decision that I'm going to look like a fucking clown today. I mean, some people do that every day without the makeup, so, I mean, fuck it, good for her. <laughs> the two guys then come towards the camera, or spider, and they get ready to kill it. We don't actually see it. And then they say, like, they hope this old lady pays, and it's a big-ass fucking spider. And they almost seem scared of it, but it, like they don't even show it, so it's kind of stupid. 
And then we see two women putting makeup on in mirrors and costumes. And then one of them is the exterminator's lover or whatever. And then out on the floor, we see the exterminators come in and sit down and they order their two drink minimum. So they order four Cokes and like the total comes to 40 bucks. I've been to a strip club. Oh, yeah, this is a strip club, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that part, (laughs) but I've been to a strip club once in my life. And it was only because my boss took me there. I was like 19. And he's like, yeah, you want to go to the strip club? I'm like, yeah, sure. Never fucking been before. And like, yeah, at 19, it was okay. It was cool for like a one-time thing. But it you feel so fucking gross and dingy going in there. It's, ah, I don't know. It's really fucking uncomfortable. And also, the drinks are super fucking expensive. Like, why would I spend that much money on a drink? Like, no. Sorry, not fucking happening. One of the strippers who seems to kind of know them offers one of them a dance with a friends and family discount. I really hope that family part doesn't come into play at all. Benny, one of the exterminators, walks over to his girlfriend, Kira, who's one of the strippers, and she basically says that they should take some time apart from each other, so they need a break. And he's pretty upset, and then she says that she wants to be with somebody who is a somebody. Oh, fucking ouch. And then she excuses herself and the exterminators leave and they're driving home chatting. And then the other exterminator, Jackson, walks into his ex's house and she's getting ready to leave with her boyfriend or her fellow bandmate or something. And Jackson is going to babysit his kid, I guess. And she has this like thick fucking New York or Boston accent. Sorry, American friends. I'm Canadian. And some of these accents just kind of fucking blend together for me. This takes place in and around New York, so I assume it's probably New York, but then again, who the fuck knows? Anyways, even as she leaves, they make googly eyes at each other, and after she's out, he's like, how did I screw that one up? And he's not wrong, because she was pretty fucking hot. Like, yeah, he fucked up. (laughs) He fucked up bad. He goes into the living room where his son is playing video games and he tells him, uh, the son tells him next week it's like bring your dad to school day or like career day where everyone brings their dads in to talk and shit. But he says he told his teacher that his dad was dead and he's going to bring the boyfriend because he plays bass. And then they both kind of pause and then they start laughing. So he's just messing with them. And then they both just kind of ask like, what the fuck is up with like the douchey rock star boyfriend? And then the son shows Jackson his tank of piranha sharks. And then he tells his son, like, who's probably in high school or, like, just before that, when he loses interest to just pour bleach in the tank and then bury them in the backyard. And the kid is like, fucking what? But then, like, Jackson explains, like, he studied biology and he knows these things, like, can't be introduced into the ecosystem. And what he's actually saying probably actually makes a lot of sense. Like, you shouldn't flush these things down the toilet in case they do survive somehow and get introduced into the ecosystem. And he probably knows that they would survive because they're not like a natural thing. Like they've been created in a lab quite obviously. Oh my God. Somebody's saying something fucking smart. Jesus. I don't know what to do with this in a parking garage. British lady is being held at gunpoint in her car and the gunman makes her drive off. And we see it's the dude from earlier, uh, the one who worked for the lab or like helped create the piranha sharks in some way. So anyways, he's brought her back to his house and he's tied her up in the basement. And he says they're going to have a serious discussion about public safety. 
And then she does the whole like, oh, if you let me go, I'll tell the police the whole uh, kidnapping at gunpoint was just a mistake, blah, blah, blah. And then she begins to recognize him and says like, oh, yeah, you're the analyst that failed the psychological evaluation. Like you're a borderline schizophrenic. And I, I can kind of see that. He seems like a little bit of a crazy motherfucker. He then demands to be taken to the scientist who created these. So, I, yeah, he was just an analyst or something. He didn't actually, like, create the sharks. And he wants to see the scientists because he knows that they must have a weakness, and he wants to figure out how to kill them. British Lady is pretty confused by all this, but then he tells her, like, they have about 72 hours left, or all hell is about to break loose. So, basically, the they're reproducing so fast, and if someone flushes them that they run into a lot of trouble, like what fucking Jackson was saying earlier about introducing them into the ecosystem. That's what this dude's saying. Same fucking thing. He then says he's going to go to the market for supplies, and he's going to show her some shit he learned in Iraq, which apparently some of the shit he learned was not being prepared, because why would you kidnap someone only to leave them alone to go pick up fucking supplies? Oh my, so you're just going to leave her by herself and just hope she's there when you get back? Ah, buddy, buddy, buddy. He then says one way or another, she's going to tell him what he wants to know. And then his wife interrupts very nonchalantly. And then like, she just asks like who she is. And then he tells her like, oh, it's my old boss. And then she asks like if he's crazy. And then like, he says, I need to go get some stuff for waterboarding. Maybe you could just watch her. And then like, so they talk for a couple seconds, and she fucking agrees to this. Like, oh, all right, I'll watch your kidnapping victim. <laughs> Just another day in the office of being your wife. So she pulls up a stool, and she's wearing a fucking bathrobe and a mud mask, and, like, she's in the middle of a spa day or getting ready for bed. Like, that's what she looks like right now. And holding a gun on this uh, British lady. And then British lady tells her that her husband is crazy. And then she responds, well, he has a big heart and he means well. And then we cut to a couple of construction workers or something. And they're wandering through some building looking for some valves. And then so they find them, they start turning them. And then we can hear like the squeaky sharks inside. And then as he opens the valve up, water spurts out. And we just see a bunch of tiny fucking sharks attach themselves to the first man. And then he falls down. We get a little bit of CG blood, and then the other dude gets, like, fucking slapped in the face with a fish and some blood. And I don't think we see him get attacked, but I'm pretty sure later on we learn that he also died. So it's just disappointing that we didn't really get to see both of them be attacked. It's just kind of a missed opportunity. But again, I'm sure it's a low budget, so, I, again, I'm complaining about fucking nothing, I'm sure. Back in the basement, the wife and British lady talk like fucking nonsense, and the British lady starts flattering the wife and giving her beauty advice, and then offers to show her a few things, like teach her how to use some makeup and shit. And then we cut to a TV screen, and on it is a commercial for Mayor Scott Berman, played by fucking Kevin Sorbo, fucking Hercules himself. And then we pull back, and we see that we're in the exterminator's apartment, and Jackson walks in, and he asks how uh, Benny is doing, and he's pretty miserable still from, like, this breakup. And then he starts telling Stoner Dude that he's not pulling his weight around there. And Stoner Dude is like, I'm working on my art. And Jackson's like, you've been doing that for three years. <laughs> and then he turns around, and he sees that this guy has bought some of the fucking piranha sharks. And he also used Benny's credit card to do it. But it's okay, he got a good deal, because it's like a value of $49.99. 
but he got it for like 20 bucks plus 9.99 shipping which honestly is a pretty good fucking deal for sharks i mean i don't know i don't think you're going to find much cheaper than that the two douchey business dudes show up to infomercial dude's house where the bottles from the commercial are also there in bikinis I, like, apparently he just pays these two to be around him all the time. I think even later on in the movie, he says, like, oh, you know your credit card and your bodies and all that, or or my body all belong to you. Ha ha ha. He's just a fucking creep. And he asks where their boss is, a.k.a. British lady, but she hasn't been returning anyone's phone calls. And then he says that the sharks are getting bad press and bad reviews. And then he shows them like a couple of like video reviews online. And then there's people telling stories of like being bit. And then like their pets are jumping into the tanks and dying because they're being attacked. And I'm like, okay, you ordered something called piranha sharks. Like, what did you think you were getting? Like, what were you expecting here? I mean, honestly, at least Part of this is partially the consumer's fault for being fucking stupid. The business dudes say that, like, sales are higher than ever, and there's no such thing as bad press. Infomercial dude says that they need to fix the safety issues, or he's going to go on network TV or, like, network news and shed a few tears and then apologize, and then he'll be golden. But these two are going to be fucked because they're basically going to be the scapegoats. One of the business dudes asks to go to the washroom, and he leaves. Infomercial dude tells the other one to go get the shit fixed, blah, blah, blah. And then the two leave. And the one that went to the bathroom says that the guy isn't going to be a problem anymore because he left a little something behind. And they laugh. (laughs) I wonder what it could be. We cut to an infomercial, and the dude introduces fucking Jose Canseco, who is an athlete. I think he was a... Oh my god, I'm going to sound so stupid. I think he was a baseball player. Don't quote me on that. I just recognize the name. But yeah, it's the actual guy. And he's there with his wife saying uh, they were struggling until they found piranha sharks. Like, are these sharks fucking therapists now? Like, they're saving marriages? It's like those couples who are like, oh, we're just going to have a kid and everything's going to be fine. Yeah, that'll solve fucking everything. Here's an 18-year commitment that we can't fucking get out of. And so, like, these two are doing it with deadly sharks, I guess. Ah, And then the infomercial starts listing like a bunch of potential hazards now. And again, we see this is playing in the exterminator's apartment. And then Jackson asks how many sharks are there. And then Stoder dude says like, ah, like 20. And then Jackson points out there's like 200 in the tank now. And then the three of them like kind of jump into action. And then Jackson asks for a colander. And then Benny goes to get one. And then he returns and he's like, what's a colander? (laughs) Fucking idiot. And they pull one of the fish out of the tank, and then they just hold it there, and they see the fish are able to breathe the air without being in the water. And Jackson says that they need to figure out a way to kill these things, because their phone is about to blow up. There's about to be a lot of people with piranha shark problems. Probably very similar to white people problems, because I imagine that all of these were bought by dumb fucking white people. Like, every one of them. The late night infomercial, the douchey white dude with the models, like, yeah. In the mayor's office, he's being shown photos of bodies that have been eaten, and then that the piranha sharks are responsible, and the lady advising him tells him that they should make a statement that afternoon, but he says they need to do something bigger, and he stands up, and he's in his goddamn underwear, and all the personnel in his office are fucking female, and they're a little bit surprised by this. 
if not uncomfortable, I would say. He tells his advisors or interns to go set up the press conference as he gets his fucking pants on. And then we go back with the exterminators, and they're looking at and opening up one of the sharks, and they see that it has extra organs and gills and all of that shit. You know the shit. Every time scientists do an experiment on these things, there's always extra organs or, you know, enhanced organs or some shit. Back at the analyst's home, he returns home, and his wife and the British lady have disappeared from the basement. And he finds them upstairs, like, doing makeup and shit, and... The British lady has given the wife a bit of a makeover, and they're all buddy-buddy now. And so, like, the wife asks, like, Honey, how do you think I look? And he's like, Oh, you look damn beautiful. But this doesn't change anything. And the British lady agrees, like, Yeah, it doesn't change anything. And she says, I'll take you to the scientist, because since he left, the sharks have doubled. And he tells her, like, she's a great American. And she says, I'm a British citizen, you bloody nutter. And she walks off. Oh my god, my girlfriend's British, and if she heard that accent, she'd probably fucking slap me. That's not true, I do terrible accents all the time. I, I'm sure she doesn't appreciate them. <laughs> uh, and then the wife tells the analyst to hurry back because she's feeling frisky in her new makeup, and he says he is too. Either like he's also in makeup, or he's also feeling frisky. I'm going with he's also feeling frisky. I'm going to go with that. Now we're with two of the strippers. One of them is dancing in her underwear, uh, wearing headphones, and the other one is elsewhere looking for their shoes. And they call out to the dancing girl, but she doesn't hear her. So she walks over and pulls her headphones off and asks if she knows where her shoes are. And then they talk about her uh, recreating the flash dance scene with water. And then Headphone Girl says, well, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> and the other girl leaves while uh, Headphone Girls goes into the bath. And as she gets in, we see some tiny sharks in the pipes, and they start plopping out of the faucet. And then suddenly the tub is full of these things, and they start attacking the girl. And, like, bloody water starts spilling over the side. And again, every time we see these things, it's CGI. We maybe see a practical one a little bit. Um, oh, no, when, sorry, when they were cutting open the exterminators, when they're cutting open the fish or whatever, that was a practical one. So, yeah, we got one or two practical effects in here, so that was alright. But yeah, any time like this where it's in the tub or anything else, it's just fully fucking CGI. Back with the exterminators again, they're still trying to find ways to kill these things, but so far only stabbing it in the head has fucking worked. So, I mean, unless they're going to go around New York stabbing fish in the head, like, hey, it's fucking New York, we're going to stab fish! I don't know what the fuck that was. Good God. They then speculate that maybe the scientists who made these things built in some sort of failsafe or weakness. So they're basically just going on the same journey that the analyst is, just not together. Very inconvenient. Jackson tells Stoner Dude to figure out where the sharks came from, and then him and Benny are going to go to a concert. But Benny says he's going to go see Kira instead. His girlfriend, the one that says that she needed space. But he's going to go see her because fucking Stoner Dude did their star charts, and it was just a silly mix-up of water and earth signs, just, like, not getting along, or some fucking nonsense. Ah, oh, God, I fucking hate this shit. I, I really just don't believe in astrology, and I hate it. I hate it so much because I see so many fucking people being like, oh, I'm like this because I'm a Libra. No, you're not like that because you're a Libra. You're like that because you're a fucking twat. Stop blaming your shitty fucking attitude on the stars. So anyways, uh, Benny is going to try and make it work with Kira, and then Jackson is going to be a fucking cuck and go watch his ex and uh, 
her new boyfriend play in her fucking band. On the TV, we see the mayor holding a press conference, and one of his ditzy assistants tells the press, like, no questions about, you know, that massage parlor or any of the female interns. <laughs> okay. Then the mayor comes on, and he says there's no threat, but he's taking it to city council so they can ban these sharks from the city limits. We then see uh, Jose Canseco again, and he's mad, saying they don't know anything about his babies, and he supports them, and he loves them, and, and like, everything they do... And everything being said about them is a lie. The mayor returns to his office and his advisor tells him he has a video call with the Pentagon. And he's like, oh, Pentagon, how important. He takes the call and the general's like, yeah, we're evacuating the city and destroying these things by any means necessary. Like, which is a pretty stark fucking difference between what the mayor just said at the press conference. And then the general says that he's ordered jets to fly over and take out any potential targets, and they have about 12 to 18 hours until they launch a small nuclear strike. Which, I'm sorry, if you're going to launch a nuclear strike, can you not give me a more precise fucking time other than 12 to 18 hours? That's a six-hour fucking difference of launching a nuclear weapon. I'm pretty sure you can narrow that down to at least within, like, 15 minutes. I'll even, I'll give you half hour, 15 minutes to half a fucking hour, 12 to 18 hours, get fucked. So the mayor starts like freaking out and he tells his advisor to start uh, like an evacuation process, starting with essential personnel and big donors. Ugh, he's such a fucking dick. I wouldn't be surprised if this actually happens though, really. You know, like they're usually the first ones to find out. So I wouldn't be surprised if they prioritize their donors and shit. Fucking politicians. British lady brings the analyst to meet the scientist, and they go into a house, and it looks empty at first until someone finally answers, and British lady calls her Dr. Harlow, and she is a fucking weirdo. Imagine that weird artsy girl in high school who wore skirts over her jeans, you know, and like having Harry Potter glasses. Yeah, that's that's her, except this one's barking like a dog and like hitting her leg and sometimes squawking like a parrot. That's this girl. That's this scientist lady. And so British lady says, like, she needs to speak with her and the other doctor about the fish, and she comes out and meets the analyst and then shows them to where Dr. Parsons is. And then the analyst looks over to British lady and asks, like, what the hell is wrong with her? And she says, oh, well, Harlow has Tourette's, and Parsons has, like, a phobia where he's afraid of people, like Emily Dickinson or some shit. Like, these are the last two people I would ever want working on fucking anything. I'm not trying to shame their mental illnesses. I have several mental illnesses my fucking self. But, like, these two working on, like, bioweapons or, like, sharks as pets? Like, no. Fuck no. Harlow goes and tells Parsons that they have visitors, and he turns around and starts crying and says, <laughs> Why? They tell him they need his help and ask if there's anything built into the shark's DNA that can help them. And then, like, he starts having a nervous fucking breakdown, and, like, Harlow is like, oh, see, I told you, he's extra fidgety today or something. So he's basically fucking useless. And then Harlow says something about an enzyme, and she needs to see a sample. So they go back to the analyst's house so they can take a look at some samples. Back at Infomercial Dude's house, his bikini babes are in the pool, and they ask, are you going to play with us, daddy? And I can already see where this shit is going. And then we cut back and forth between this and the bar where Jackson's wife is playing. 
and uh, he's there with their son watching them. And then we also cut to the strip club where Benny is paying for his ex uh, to give him lap dances. So fucking sad. <laughs> but then she stops and uh, makes him watch her friend's flash dance number. And then between all of these places, one by one, we see the sharks show up at the bar. They start to appear in people's glasses after being washed um, in the pool at the infomercial dude's place. And then the flash dance scene, obviously they're in that bucket of water. If you haven't seen Flashdance or you don't know what movie that is, it's a movie from the 80s with uh, Demi Moore, I believe it was. And she plays... Oh, no, I'm thinking I'm getting that mixed up with striptease. Anyways, there's the movie Flashdance, there's a scene where she's doing a dance, and it involves her, like, doing a sexy dance, and then she's on a chair, and then she pulls a bucket above her, and all this water comes flowing down on her all sexy-like. They parodied it in uh, Deadpool 2, so if you've seen Deadpool 2, you've seen that scene. In the bar, the bartender who was washing the dishes doesn't have fingers anymore. And these were very quick shots, but I do believe it was a practical, like, hand, uh, like, no fingers effect. So that was pretty cool. Uh, one dude who's sitting at a table starts spitting up blood. One of the bikini babes uh, surfaces, and she is bloody as hell. And then, like, infomercial dude tries to escape, but the fish get him too. And then... They obviously get the other bikini babe, so the pool is just filled with these little tiny fucking piranha sharks now. At the bar, there's a fucking tornado of sharks, and Benny uses a tray to smack them off people. So, like, they're literally bursting out of the sink and, like, flying around the fucking room. And he manages to save his ex and her boyfriend, and then they all end up back at uh, Jackson's, and the boyfriend thanks him for saving him, but more importantly, his hands the source of musical talent, his power. And then, like, everybody's just like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> like, nobody likes this musician, dude. He is such a douche. And then Stoner Dude chimes in and says, they're going to nuke Manhattan. And Jackson doesn't believe him. He's like, what are you talking about? And so Jackson looks at the TV, and the reporter is literally talking about the nuclear strike happening. And then he's like, yeah, we're going to have, uh, you know, live tweets of uh, the strike and uh, celebrity tweets. And uh, yeah, we'll have more at five. Ugh. You're like, the city's about to be destroyed. And this fucking reporter is so nonchalant about it. Like, he does not care. They make a plan to go to Roxy's house, uh, Jackson's ex. But then Stoner Dude chimes in and says, or we could save the city because he knows how to kill them. He remembered earlier when he poured his fucking gold schlager into the tank and the synthetic gold chips killed the fish. Seems pretty fucking simple, but at this point, I'm just, I'm rolling with it. I'm just going to roll with it. I'm not going to question it. Jackson says like, oh yeah, we can boil it down and then put it into the water system and it's harmless to humans, obviously, because, you know, it's in Goldschlager, you drink and eat it all the time. And then Stoner Dude seems like really into it. And Jackson says to him like, you haven't killed anything in like three years. And then he takes his shirt off and Stoner Dude is fucking jacked. And he accredits it to like 10 minute workouts or some shit like that. At the analyst, Harlow is checking out the fish in a tank, and then she takes the analyst's gun and holds everyone hostage and says they were going to kill them, her babies. The analyst says, like, they're going to wipe out the human race in a few days, and she says, good, they're killing the planet anyways. Oh, thanks so much, Poison Ivy. You going to team up with fucking Bane and Mr. Freeze while we're here? 
The other gang make it to Roxy's house, and she says to Jackson, he saved her life, and he says, I must have been a hero in a past life. And she's like, you're a hero in this life, my hero. I can't do a fucking New York accent. It kind of comes and goes. But yeah, she has a very, very thick New York accent. And then Roxy and Kira both kind of chime in, and they don't want their boys to go, but they got to go save the city. They go and visit their neighbor, who is the analyst dude, and they come downstairs to Harlow holding everyone at gunpoint. And Benny is like, we really don't have time for this. And then he just fucking punches Harlow in the face and disarms her. Like, no fucking problem. This was a non-issue for him. Jackson asks for some firearms because they're headed to the city uh, because they finally know how to kill these things. So the analyst agrees to go with them, and then British Lady is going along too, obviously. So they start driving, and they reach a police checkpoint, and the officer says no one is getting past him tonight. And then British Lady tells him to radio in her name, Dominique Franklin, because they'll probably want to talk to her. And so then we cut to, they all make it into the mayor's office. Dominique is in fucking handcuffs. And the mayor greets her as the woman who killed everyone in New York or some shit. And then Jackson tells him that they know how to kill them now. And then tells them the plan. Like, yeah, we got this like Goldschlager shit. We're going to put it in the water. And then basically they're going to infect a few small fish. Um, The other fish will eat those ones. You know how piranha will go after each other or some shit. So yeah, that's their fucking plan. And then the mayor looks at his advisor who's drunk off a bottle of wine and says, what else are we going to do? So the mayor offers any resources they have, but he insists Dominique stay behind, or if she does go, she has to stay in fucking handcuffs. After they all leave, the mayor sits down and says, oh, that was a close one. I thought I was going to have to put some pants on. This dude just don't, he doesn't like wearing pants in his office. And I mean, it's his office. I guess he could do what he wants, but it seems pretty fucking inappropriate. Like, that's just opening up yourself for a fucking lawsuit. But then again, I've never been a mayor, so what the fuck do I know? The exterminators arrive at a facility where they need to unclog a water line or something while the poison is released at another location. So as they search, sharks start flying everywhere, and they start shooting the shit out of them. So yeah, they can fly now. Fucking Piranha 2, the the spawning anyone? Or Piranha 2, flying, flying fish? Flying Killers or something was the alternate title. So like, hey, it's kind of an homage to another Piranha movie. Wooey! Although Piranha 2 is pretty fucking dope. If you haven't seen the James Cameron Piranha 2, yeah, James Cameron from fucking Avatar Terminator directed Piranha 2 The Spawning. There's also a story about that, that he actually was fired off of the movie after it was done, um, but he broke into like the editor's place after hours and like edited the movie even though he had been fired or something like that i don't remember i'm not we're not talking about piranha 2 we're talking about fucking uh piranha sharks and at this point we start seeing the stealth plane with the nuke um is also in the air now and it's headed towards the city the exterminators reach a giant water tank and then stoner dude volunteers to go in and fix the pump to get the water flowing and he says he's uh wearing some shark resistant wetsuit and he's also converted something he has into a fucking scuba tank. Like, this stoner dude is crafty as fuck, man. He's either really crafty or he's just using his friend's credit cards to buy stuff. It's probably the second one. And then we cut to the news and we see that there is a fucking five-minute countdown to the end of Manhattan, which nobody seems to be, like, that concerned about. 
in the mayor's office, one of the male workers is in between two female interns, and he says, I know it's the end of the world, so you girls can have me. You can rock, paper, scissors for who gets me first. And the redhead, in the dumbest voice, says, There's papers and scissors at my desk. And then the other girl looks at her like she's a fucking idiot and says, No, where are we going to get a rock? Ugh. Dude, trust me, man. I think you just dodged two fucking bullets. <laughs> like, I know it's the end of the world, man, but come on. Stoner Dude continues to work on the pump as the sharks start swimming around him and start attacking him. Benny climbs out above him, and then he puts, like, a camera in the water or something. And then a big shark jumps out, and Analyst Dude says, Smile, you son of a bitch. Jaws reference! And he shoots it dead. The pump starts working, and we see Stoner Dude in the bloody water, floating around dead. The mayor answers the phone, and then we see on the news that the strike was called off, and then everyone is in the mayor's office waving and smiling at the camera. And, like, I swear, like, two scenes ago, we saw them actually launch the nuclear weapon from the plane. So it felt like there was going to be more tension to that, but it's just like, nope, we did it. We made it. Oh, oh okay. That's cool. <laughs> And then we cut to the two business douches on a beach. And when I when I say beach, it's a fucking green screen beach. They're just they're on chairs in front of a fucking green screen being served by a bikini babe. And then we see Dominique and Benny watching them through some binoculars. And then uh, Benny was like, oh, do you know them? And she's like, oh, yeah, we used to work together. And then we zoom in on one of their glasses and we see a tiny piranha shark swimming around. And then we roll credits. And that is Piranha Sharks. So, yeah, this is supposed to be a Christmas movie. Other than there were, like, Christmas decorations in the background, um, this could have taken place at any time of year. Like, it being Christmas time had no consequences or any bearing to this fucking story. <laughs> um, but, I mean, hey, I wanted to do something Christmas-themed and, you know, be a little different. So... I it was still worth it, in my opinion. So, diving into the poster expectations, I was honestly hoping for more, like, looks at the sharks. We got one or two practical ones, which was alright. I mean, for what it lacked in sharks and effects, it made up for with weird characters, and it was also, like, pretty well shot, which was a little bit confusing. <laughs> it always just, like, catches me off guard with some of these ridiculous movies, and when they look really good. It's like, Something just doesn't add up. I definitely came into it uh, sort of expecting to like this a bit more, but it's still a fun watch, so I'm going to say a solid two stars. I'm going to give it a solid two stars. Not a bad way to end the year. And that is it for Piranha Sharks, and that is our last episode of 2023. Guys, ladies and gentlemen, non-binary friends, thank you all so much for your love and support throughout this entire fucking year. It has had its ups and downs, it's been crazy, but it has been an absolute blast, and I cannot wait to continue into 2024. But again, thank you guys so much, and as always, you can find me on all the social medias, that's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Slasher, all at Bucket of Chum Podcast. If you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Bucket of Chum. Each month, we're doing some really cool shit on there, so come and join the fun. And I will see you guys next year for a brand new episode of Bucket of Chum.
Hi everybody, I'm Josh. And I'm Brett. If you're looking for a different horror podcast, one that stands out from the rest... Well, don't look here. (laughs) Absolutely not. Every week we talk about our favorite horror movies and some of our favorite aspects of those horror movies. So that's something that interests you? Check us out. The only thing that sets us apart is that it's us. So if you like the sound of our voices... Check us out at the Evil Death Podcast. Wherever it is that you find podcasts.